0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAfighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you then.
1: Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. This is Ben. I was joined by Mike and our special guest for the Memphis Grizzlies season preview is Joe Mullinex. He's the uh, managing editor from the Grizzly Bear Blues, the SB Nation Memphis Grizzlies community. Uh, And I use the word communities with emphasis here. Um, We love having Joe on because he really speaks passionately for the city of Memphis on behalf of a team that he truly loves. They're in a transition phase. They're going from grit and grind to it's just Fizz's team now. Fizzdale's going to call the shots. And, and we get into that. Um, we talk a lot about Mike Connolly, Marcus Gasol. They're the two best players on a what could be playoff team, but we'll see. Um, we get into that. And ultimately, Joe is a wealth of information when it comes to the history of grit and grind. He is a true fan. We love having him on. But before you listen to this podcast, and this podcast is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network, so you should go subscribe and rate and review and listen to all the great podcasts that are part of the Vox Media Podcast Network, but specifically the Limited Upside Podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, anything, uh, SB Nation backslash, uh, SBNation.com backslash MBA, wherever you get your podcasts, that's where you can find limited upside podcast uh, and send us questions um, we get to them all the time we love the way that our listeners send us informed and intelligent questions so send those to Mike mikeprada at sbnation.com or on twitter at mikeprada sbn at limited underscore upside or at epibank um uh, Again, this is the season preview for the Memphis Grizzlies. We were joined by Joe Molinax from the Grizzly Bear Blues. Mike and I love talking about the Grizzlies, but mostly because Mike and I love talking to Joe. So sit back and listen to this episode of The Limited Upside Podcast. Welcome back to the limited upside podcast. We're getting through these summer team previews, Mike, and I I think we're there. We're we're at the Memphis Grizzlies now. We're welcoming Joe Mullinex back. He was on the podcast last year going through the Grizzlies preview. Uh, Joe is part of Grizzly Bear Blues, our, our beloved SB Nation community. So we always love having him on. Joe, how's it going, bud? I'm doing great, guys. I was telling you before we uh, before we started
0: recording, I've been very busy this fall, so it's nice to kind of get back into the swing of, of the Grizzlies. And you know, obviously their summer was an interesting one for a variety of reasons. And it's going to be fascinating to see who the heck plays basketball for them okay. this year beyond Marc Gasol and Mike Conley, because there's really a lot of unknowns that they need a lot to go right for them to even have a sniff uh, of the playoffs in the West. Well, this year we'll answer the question:
2: Does it really matter? Who else plays? Right. <laughs> like throw those two out, and then let's put like you know a few bobbleheads, and they'll maybe they'll make the playoffs. Uh, this will be a real test. Um, interesting summer, changing the guard for Memphis. No more Tony Allen. No more Zach Randolph. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to lament about. I think that we can now officially say, okay, grit and grind is dead. Right. Like we've been saying that for like two or three years. It's like okay, now it's really dead. Now it's really dead. Grit and grind is dead now. Yes.
0: It's dearly departed. Now uh, it's dead. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, and and it's an era that needed to end. I think that Grizzlies fans, you know, the Grizzlies announced today that they're doing a grit grind forever towel for opening night when Tony Allen's back with the Pelicans, and they're oh, giving yeah. out a head, they're giving out a headband in January when Zebo comes back with the Kings, and, and it all feels you know kind of awkward and forced. And is it a is it a high five to Tony for what he did? Is it a uh, kind of a middle finger in a way like here's a growl towel with what we've you know built an entire identity around but you're not worth the veterans minimum to us right uh, that, <laughs> that's, that, that's the awkward thing you like, totally could have kept thing. him <laughs> like you totally could have had him um but you didn't want him and i think that this is a time in grizzlies history that's really kind of fascinating you know i wrote a an article about the legacy of grit and grind and to me you know, I'm the father of a two-year-old daughter, and the legacy of this period of basketball is the fact that I, who was not a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies before that era – you know, now I'm a fan and I'm a, a follower of the team, obviously running GBB. And, you know, my daughter is going to grow up a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, and that is that is the legacy that this that this group is leaving behind, the a generational fandom that we have to keep in mind. The Memphis Grizzlies, obviously not Vancouver. The Memphis Grizzlies are only entering their 17th season in the NBA. They're, they're still a relatively young franchise. And, and these two players in particular, Tony Allen and Zach Randolph, have really set up what is the most powerful thing for a franchise to be solid in any professional sport. And that's that generational fandom. And they've done it without really, for lack of a better term, winning anything. I mean, they've had regular season success, but there's no division raft or division title banner in the rafters. They made the Western conference finals, but they got swept out of it. Uh, You know, it's mostly on this idea of, you know, blue collar town, blue collar players, the, the grit and grind mentality, you know, again, as I said in the article, it, it's real to to Grizzlies fans like it was special to them and it was that powerful. And now you're entering into a stage where most Grizzlies fans are OK with the idea that it's over because you could watch games and you guys watched games last year, obviously. And you saw Zach was getting destroyed in the pick and roll mm-hmm. and, and Tony Al- Tony Allen was gambling more than ever before on defense to, to make ends meet with his uh, second team all NBA defensive persona and, and you know it was time to move on but at the same time now the pressure is almost solely on the shoulders of David Fisdale whose arrival directly connects to the end of that era now the pressure on the court is solely on Chandler Parsons who is being paid more or almost more in one year than Tony Allen ever made as a Memphis Grizzly these two guys Wait, is that true
2: that Okay, is true. hold
0: up he makes Parsons is gonna make Parsons makes 23 Parsons makes 23. I believe Tony Allen made 29 in his career as a Grizzly. So almost in one year, Chandler Parsons is making more money. That's
2: right. That's right. Because he had the three year, nine million dollar deal to come from Boston. And then he signed a four year, 20 million.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Yeah. yeah. Talk about a contrast right there. I can't think <laughs> seriously. I can't think of anyone who is less grit and grind. Sorry, than Chandler Parsons. But no, you're exactly right. But Chandler yeah. Parsons was supposed
0: to be that bridge. And, you know, you've heard yeah. all sorts of people say that it's not an original thought, but it's true. He was supposed to be the perfect, you know, six foot ten with a ratchet. He Here's a guy who can facilitate, who can shoot who can play the four in stretches and it just hasn't worked out. You know, between Parsons being the, the guy who kind of gets the brunt of that frustration and now David Fisdale, who fans for the most part are are pretty happy about in Memphis but now it's pretty clear that Fisdale arrives and this is his team. This is the, the vision that he wanted. He wanted more athleticism. He wanted more youth. He wanted more uh, guys that can facilitate and create off the dribble on the perimeter. Now it's his, it's his show. And if it doesn't work, it's going to really kind of come down on him as well as Parsons depending on his health. There is some interesting tension
2: there between Fisdale and the grid and grind crew that I don't think people really paid attention to last year but you could tell there was a little bit of like i mean he was talking all at the beginning of the year is like we have to play faster and you know all of this and these guys have to believe that they're the best and they're not just this like underachieving plucky underdog team and now those guys are gone so i i think it's interesting i don't think a lot i like how you put it with with I, i i don't think a lot of people realized how much you know, he really tried to shake things up. And it's just very hard to shake things up in a year. But there was definitely a little bit of tension there. Um, and he's very good at navigating that. But you could tell that that team was very much between two teams uh, last year. I At least it looked like that to me.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with that completely. And he's a guy who, again, was willing to do the things that maybe uh, a Dave Yeager, for whatever reason, maybe because he had been with the team so long under Lionel Hollins, wasn't willing to do. I mean, moving Zach Randolph to the bench almost, you know, immediately after getting the job or a couple of months after getting the job, making it clear that that was going to happen. You know, that's a pretty big statement. That that's saying we're moving away. From what this team has been and we're going in a different direction and I think you saw that throughout the year I mean by the end of the playoffs you had Andrew Harrison playing instead of Tony Allen and again you talk about contrast This is a guy who's a second you know a second round pick Uh, Most people in Memphis think he's average at best uh, Below average to bad at worst and he's getting minutes in a playoff series against the San Antonio Spurs over the grindfather so this is Was Tony really, Allen injured? Uh, I thought Tony Allen was injured. Uh yeah, but I'm I'm talking about not even excuse me, not in the playoff series, you're oh, right. But you're before the, the yeah, end I'm, of the yes, season. Yes, okay. Before the injury. Yes, thank I you. Thought I thought I was wrong, her. so I'm no, 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 about You're about right. Wrong. No, you're right. I, I was I was mistaken. It was towards the end of the regular season before yeah. he got in. You saw Andrew Harrison kind of closing out games, getting more minutes of that two guard spot, facilitating offense for Mike Conley. And I real think that I really think that the connection here, that the thing that people miss is I'm not so sure. Obviously, he wanted to move on from Tony Allen and Zach Randolph, pace and space, and all those all those NBA buzzwords that people like to throw around. But I think just as much as that. It's David Fisdale's belief in Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol and what they can do in the system that he wants to uh, create. And in order for Mike Conley in particular to be a scorer the way that David Fisdale wants him to be, he can't be at the point the whole time. So you need somebody like a Tyreek Evans who they bring in on a one-year deal. You need somebody like a Chandler Parsons who in theory was going to be that perfect player that would allow for Mike to play off the ball more and get his looks in different ways off of different screens and and make opposing players work a little bit harder fighting through screens, doing things off the ball that they necessarily haven't had to do against Mike in the past. I think it has just as much to do with what Fisdale sees, in Conley in particular, than it does being against T.A. and Zebo. I think he had respect for those guys. I think that he especially when it came to Zach, you know, Zach handled it professionally. You could watch Zach and know he wasn't happy to be coming off the bench, but I don't think he allowed it to be a cancer to the team or the locker room. And now that it is Fizdale's situation, he he has really kind of the the ball in his court, so to speak. It's his opportunity to show I'm right. This is what this roster needs to do. And if you allow Mike and Mark to play even against or alongside players, who seem to be not as good as Tony and Zach and Vince, even at the advanced stages in their careers. Vince Carter, of course, we haven't talked about yet, being gone as well. You know, if you replace those three with Tyreek Evans and Ben McLemore and you hope that Brandon Wright can stay healthy and maybe you get some pick-and-roll works with him, you know, it's just a completely different team. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, I guess, depending on how you look at it.
1: (laughs) Man. We just unpacked, like, all 10 of the questions that we had for you. That was impressive. Um, So now let's go back. I I do want to circle back, though, because, like, I'm hearing there's a lot of conflict here just within your emotional set as a fan, it would appear, right? Like, uh, there is this moving on. There is this idea that the the future is a little bit uncertain. So with that in mind, tell me a little bit about, and and again, you have the, the pulse of Grizzly Bear Blues. Like, what is the fan base's mood as you see it? Uh, You know, on your website uh, and in general, just like is everyone else is ready for the next generation of Grizzlies basketball uh, as it would appear you are.
0: I think people are nervous and I think they're understandably nervous because so much of what is riding on this team, maintaining their competitive nature, the ability to be in the playoffs, to be a competitive playoff out. You know, be that six-seed, seven-seed mix, it is hinging on a player that nobody has seen healthy, and that's Chandler Parsons. We mentioned him earlier. And he's a guy who I still want to believe in. I advocated for them signing him when most people said he would never sign in Memphis. I thought it would be a perfect match, and apparently Chandler and Fizdale and the company agreed. Maybe they read Grizzly Bear Blues. I don't know. Uh, but Probably, you know, it, yeah, probably so. I think we're pretty popular, but anyway, smart, yes. yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate that. So anyway, you know, Chandler is a guy who obviously is not the sharpest knife in the drawer when it comes to his social media use. And he, he does things that are very bro, uh, bro centric. But on the basketball court, he's a guy who can help you win when he's healthy. but that that player just hasn't existed yet for Memphis. and and that's really kind of a, a point of frustration again, and I think that's part of why fans are frustrated with him. It's not just like I said, his bro behavior on on Snapchat and Instagram and all that stuff. It's the fact that they chose to go away from two beloved figures and Tony Allen and Zach Randolph in favor of this guy who, as you said earlier, could not be less grit and grind that that is not who this man is. And that's okay. He doesn't have to be that guy, but if you're not going to be what was, a major part of the identity of the most successful stretch in Memphis Grizzlies basketball history you better be able to play basketball well and he just hasn't been able to so that's really been you know as sad as it sounds people like cling to Instagram videos and seeing him shoot in the gym in July and August and watching the better lift on his shot and seeing him dunk you know so much of what this team is able to do is going to hinge on what he can do if Chandler Parsons can be that guy that he was at the end of his Mavericks run, you know, dropping 20 points a night, the Grizzlies can be a playoff team. I believe that in my heart, but you're just putting a lot on someone who has not been healthy ever since he signed with Memphis. And even before he came to the Grizzlies had health problems. It's, it's just really kind of a, you know, it's a nervous time because I think people want to be optimistic. They love Mark and Mike. I think anytime you have a top 10 point guard and a top five big on your roster, you should be in the conversation for a playoff spot, regardless of who else is on your roster. But if Chandler Parsons can't be that third best player, I mean, right now he's not their third best player and that's a massive problem. Is
2: he healthy? What's his health status? I mean, I guess he's healthy Uh, enough to produce Instagram
0: videos. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there's a ton of stuff going on with the Grizzlies and their ownership and they're, they're playing, they're playing some things close to the vest, which we may talk about earlier. Uh, but I would imagine, Chandler, they'll be easy on him in training camp. I don't see him coming in and them saying, oh, he's hurt or, you know, that sort of thing. But I don't see them, you know, running him into the ground in a preseason game. I hope I, I hope that they're hoping that, you know, October 18th, they can kind of unleash him and build up to that point. Uh, there's been nothing that has made us or led us to believe that he's unhealthy. You know, he's come out in the media and said that this is the best he's felt in three years he hasn't had a chance to have a full offseason to kind of prepare in three years like this because he's always been dealing with some sort of rehab or injury. You know, the fact that the Grizzlies shut him down when they did, you know, hopefully will pay dividends come October.
1: What well, would hope. I guess yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, at the at the amount of money he's making, at the transitional piece that, you know, he is that you've been mentioning for the franchise and just as like a, a fulcrum for a completely different uh you know pivot in franchise history, it's very interesting because I don't think he, at least from my perspective, I don't think he's that type of guy who wants that responsibility, and that could be very armchair psychology of me. But it it also maybe speaks a little to the um, the want for people to like him on social media. I don't know. These are just things that I think the new NBA athlete, like we're seeing with Kyrie right now, is dealing with that I, it's hard for me to put into basketball terms because we don't really have like – a. Uh, precedent for this, Mike, and like in NBA history, like how how will the social media off season affect his mental game on the court? But uh, we just had regardless. it in different forms. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I guess so. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe that's to...
2: being maybe that's being like too obvious. But I feel like there yeah. was always something like this going on. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird, it's an odd fit because I think. I don't know what Chandler Parsons is really like, but I think like perception in this case is sort of important because of that's sort of what Memphis was. And, and I think like Joe said, until you see him on the court and you see, you know, because if he's not playing, right, like who exactly is starting on the wing for them this year?
1: Like, we can talk about some options.
2: Like, they what just if- don't have much like like. Especially with Ben Mclemore also injured, like they kind of need him. But enough about Chandler Parsons. (laughs) I think we kind of all know exactly what what he needs to bring. Um, Ben, you want to talk about the two pillars? Because you were saying to me earlier, like we few people, we have more arguments about Mike Conley in the office. I don't know why. Like, how do you not like Mike Conley?
1: No, no, no. Not in that we don't like him. In well, it's it's usually actually uh, Alex Rubenstein who we mentioned frequently on this podcast and, and we'll be coming on at some point to argue with Mike because uh in the office, uh, he, the argues the office like, he argues with everybody. He argues with everyone about every different type of sport, but it's always in good jest. But even that people mind, that like agree with him. Sorry, this well, is not the Alex his, Rubenstein podcast. Well, here's the thing his legit favorite player, and because he's such a numbers guy um and also you know watches so much sports he loves Mike Connolly. like Mike Connolly's is always it's like his kryptonite to anytime that we get too high on Russell Westbrook he'd be like, I'd rather have Connolly. you know it's it's like a no-brainer to him and like oh hey there's an argument to be made from both sides of that but the the interesting point there is that these guys are lightning rods for the guys who love basketball who follow the game closely and I think that speaks a lot to how great they are it also speaks to probably how maybe underappreciated they are in the grand scheme of the national game because they aren't uh, you know, that's not the new face of Jordan brand like Westbrook now is. Um, and that's not even Nikola Jokic, who who got all the hype for being like kind of the new kid on the block and being incredible. But ultimately, that's the block that's still occupied by Marc Gasol's game. So I want to I want to get your thoughts um, on that lack of potential national appreciation that Mike and I, I, I believe, perceive, uh, perceive here. And then also, can they duplicate the success of last season? Because they were both incredible. Uh, and you wonder, you know, was last year as good as it gets?
0: In no way, shape, or form should anybody be surprised that the Memphis Grizzlies are not getting national attention. (laughs) I think that you know, being one of the smallest markets in the NBA, uh, even though they love basketball, I mean, every time you saw ratings for the NBA Finals or the NBA Draft or whatever it might be, Memphis was always in the top five in terms of shares. I mean, it's called Hoop City for a reason. Uh, Memphis fans love their basketball, whether it's the Tigers or the Grizzlies. And in recent years, the Grizzlies have been far more popular than the Tigers, uh, which is a major transformation. But anyway, they are the two, like I said earlier, Mike Conley, if he's not on your list of top 10 point guards in the NBA, you don't watch the game close enough. In my opinion, uh, he, he is literally that good. Now we how live up, in.
1: How high up would you put him? Realistically? I,
0: I think realistically, I, I think you can make a real argument for him at about eight or seven. And I, you know, I'm not one of those types that would argue for him in front of Westbrook or even maybe a, a John Wall. Uh, The the conversation that we would always have on the blog and on Twitter is, you know, whenever the rumors would come up, the Grizzlies and Cavs always seem to be, you know, trade partner, rumored trade partners for a variety of reasons. And, you know, would you rather have Kyrie or Conley? And to me, I would rather have Conley, and I think that's where my line is between Kyrie and Conley because Kyrie obviously is a phenomenal ball handler, a tremendous scorer, generational talent when it comes to putting the basketball in the basket. But at the same time, Conley is more of a well-rounded player who can do literally everything. He he has no weakness to his game. I think you can find holes here and there in Kyrie's, and while he's exemplary in some areas, Conley is just so damn good in almost every... that you could possibly be in on the basketball floor. Uh, Like I said, he doesn't do anything otherworldly. He certainly shouldn't be in front of Steph or Russ. Like I said, I think John Wall is better than him. Uh, Chris Paul, you know, I'm sure a couple other guys could come to mind. Uh, But I think right around 6 or 7, you know, is where, depending on the day, uh, I would place him. Uh, I could hear arguments for 8 or 9. Anything outside of 10, I think, is absurd because of how solid he is. Uh, as a player all around. As far as Marc Gasol goes, uh, he's a top five big in the NBA. And uh, you mentioned Jokic earlier. You know, he's kind of the guy who everybody, you know, looks at as, as kind of Gasol 2.0 or 3.0, I guess, if you count Paul as, as the original, or Pow as the original one. Um, but, you know, it's still Mark show. And I think Mark showed last year that he has an understanding that his game is going to become more perimeter-based, especially with David Fisdale at the helm. I think he shot more threes, you know, Three fourths of the way through the season than he had in his entire career up to that point. That long? I thought it was more yeah. like a qu- like like yeah, after ten games. You're <laughs> like, right. No, you might be right. It felt like after ten
2: games, you know, <laughs> like yeah, he had suddenly shot. Right. I mean, I have but bad memories I have bad memories of Mark totally shooting the Wizards out of a game earlier in the season. Ugh, but that was, was like right. Riding- not- Nobody knew he could shoot threes.
0: And I, I think that you'll see you'll see Mark obviously kind of heading out of the end towards the end of his prime. And, you know, Mark is the guy who kind of makes sense. If something does go bad as it could potentially do. And, you know, Memphis starts the season eight and 20 or something like that, 10 and 22. And you say, okay, well, what, what, pieces do we have to potentially blow it up? Because at least the Grizzlies have their first round pick this year, which in Memphis is, you know, it's, it's phenomenal when they have their first (laughs) at this point. Uh, So what, what do you do? What do you do with Mark? And, you know, if he's getting to the point in his career where he's not, you know, he's still so good that he could go to a place like Cleveland or he could go to a Boston who was rumored earlier in the summer and really be an impact player for them and perhaps put them over the hump. But are those teams going to be willing to give up what the Grizzlies should be wanting for a player like Marcus All, like you know the Grizzlies' 2019 first round pick back, and you know a, a stud young player from Boston, Jalen Brown, right? Exactly, Jalen Brown would be a great example. Uh, or would they be willing to do Kevin Love for Marcus All straight up? You know, I, I don't know if Cleveland would be willing to do that with Thompson on the roster. That kind of limits them in some ways. But anyway, my point is. It really is Mark and Mike's team now. You know, it already kind of was. They were the better players than Tony and Zach all the way back even a few years ago. But now with those two gone in particular, now the the, the personality of the team, the identity of the team, you can say grit and grind is still there, but the guys who made it gritty and, and full of grind are gone. So now it's Mark and Mike. What is your leadership style? What is going to be the identity of this team now that Zach and Tony are gone, even more so than their basketball ability, because obviously they're two of the top 25 players in the NBA. Now it's going to be about how do you establish an identity and how do you make the players around you better? Because as you guys mentioned, and and you're exactly right, uh, even when Ben McLemore is healthy, a starting lineup of Conley, McLemore, Parsons, Jamichael Green, assuming he comes back, and Gasol – you need at least two of those guys to play better than they ever have in their careers to be a five or six seed in the Western conference. How are you going to get them there? You know, a lot of that comes down to leadership. A lot of that comes down to what kind of ability you're able to get out of those guys. And Mike and Mark are going to have their hands full on that front.
2: So here's the optimist take for why Mark and Mike can duplicate what they did. And it's because of what we talked about earlier. Like they were most affected by Fisdale's style of play. And the way they they, the way he came in and he said, you know, we're gonna play a little bit differently. It's kind of funny looking at some of Memphis's numbers last year, where in a vague way, like the the offense was kind of and defense were kind of about where they were, but it was where they were differently. I mean, their three point attempt rate was way up last year. You know, they were finally starting to modernize the offense and like one of the things that fizzil was constantly telling conley right i mean you tell me if i'm wrong i just remember hearing a lot about this is like you're that dude Like you gotta start playing like it. You gotta start jacking up shots. And if you look at Conley's numbers, like his three-point attempt rate was significantly higher than it's ever been. His free throw rate was higher than it's ever been. I mean, this is a dude that put up a 23 PER with a sixty percent true shooting last year. I mean, I don't think people fully grasp how much better he was than even his previous spots in his career. And I think that was built into where Mark was also now shooting the three. So you always wondered, like, what if Conley just let loose? And I, I always wondered this, like, kind of when the Grizzlies were so good. And there was something sort of – it almost felt like Conley was holding back for the sake of the team uh, to kind of make everybody happy, and that was sort of an element of his value. What would happen if he just kind of played more like Damian Lillard? And last year you saw it, and he was pretty pretty outstanding. And so – if they're still playing the same way, I, I mean, I guess the only question would be health, obviously. You know, that, that if we we're, I'm thinking about like what, if Mike Conley had a Jordan brand or Nike deal, like what Ben was talking about, like would his, would his shoes like sort of be bent because of all the foot injuries he has? Like would there be some sort of, <laughs> sort of thing? Like barring injury, I mean, there's no, they're going to continue, they're probably going to play even more like how Fisdale wants to play. And that, I think, like you said, it, it, Conley should be able to, if if Conley is confident enough where he's going to just jack up shots and really play much more aggressively like he did last year, like, why can't he keep putting up those numbers? I think Gasol is the the more interesting one because. I think. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I just think Gasol is the more interesting one because he's getting up there in years, obviously. He had some weird comments recently about, like, if the team is struggling, like, I want to get
0: out. Like, what was that all about? That was kind of odd. It, it was more just kind of because there were obviously lots of, uh, Catalan, uh, <laughs> uh, interpretations and, and translations on Twitter and, and, in Google. Uh, it, it was more about the idea that with Spain, he doesn't have to be that guy because you, you have Powell and you had Juan Carlos Navarro, you know, you had guys that had been there that it's been through the wars that were the attention kind of went to and, and Mark, It was more about Mark not having to be that guy with Spain, whereas when he's playing with the Grizzlies, he is that guy. He's that franchise cornerstone. And he was more talking about the idea that, you know, obviously he wants to compete. He thinks they can compete. It's more of a question of if things go poorly, you know, what the next step is for him is kind of a question. So it wasn't necessarily he doesn't want to be in Memphis. It was just kind of like what we're talking about right now. We have no idea what they're really going to be outside of Mike being a top 10 point guard in the NBA and Mark being a top five big man in the NBA. And, And that should be good enough to keep them around, even in a really tough Western conference what what their over under number is you know that 37 38 wins you know that sounds like a big drop off for the grizzlies but i think the past two seasons they've won 43 or so it's not that again big. the west yeah i mean the west is a is a freaking minefield even more than it's ever been before right so it, it's it's really not going to be that massive of a drop they could play relatively well and be 500 in the west you know that's not overtly crazy to think uh, but yeah, I think the Gasol like, concern is fair. I think you'll see regression from him on defense before you'll see it on offense. I think because, you've already seen um, it on defense. Yeah. Yeah. Honest. And I think, like, you, you think yeah, I would agree with that. And I think you'll continue to see it uh, because of that. That's where I think his age will show. I don't necessarily think you'll see it as much on offense because of the adjustments he's made to his game. He's more of a perimeter player, anymore. I mean, Chris Harrington of the Memphis Commercial Appeal and you know others were calling for him to start shooting threes three or four years ago. It's just starting to come to fruition now, and obviously he was very successful with it. So,
1: so uh, who who's going to be the supporting cast that that plays with these guys? Like, tell me about what you expect from Wayne Selden, from Tariq Evans, uh, Troy Daniels, Brandon Wright. Go down the list here. Like, is Deontay Davis going to be playing any minutes at backup center? Like, give me an impression of your thoughts on the rest of this cast. Who I, I just named a bunch of guys who the rest of the NBA world might not even know are in how, the NBA.
2: I was gonna say, how many of our listeners are like googling some of these people?
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, hey, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. People remember him from Oregon last year, right? Like, he's more famous from just playing college hoops at a high level last year.
2: They have oh, they have him too. Wait, what? What was the name of that European dude that they signed this summer? Uh, uh, Rade Zagorac zagorak zagorak yes. yes. yeah so they have
1: g-a-g-o-r-a-c mike
2: yes. <laughs> okay and when they still have, and they
1: have andrew harrison like you said mm-hmm. and they have oh martin chalmers is back Ben, your yeah, favorite um, player is back yes chalmers chalmers tore his achilles on the same night that i tore mine back in march of last year oh my so, god so we have to hear this pity party roster. again no, no boo. I, 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 like I'm, we I'm both tore achilles <laughs> <in> the same <laughs> night get out of here oh, uh, mike unbelievable with that in mind, I'm happy for him that he's back on an NBA roster. I'm sure it was a long journey. I know it was, uh, probably back to the league here. But like, we've also Wade Baldwin, you know, the first-round pick from last James year. James Ennis, so, they have him too. Wow, this, this yep. roster is like something else. So with all the names <laughs> wow. that we just mentioned, uh, Joe, give me some guys there you were actually expecting you know, uh, big things from. Or at least enough to help out uh, with the two players we mentioned principally here in Gasol and, and Connolly.
0: Well, before we even get to that, you guys just rattled off a ton of names. The Grizzlies just announced on Monday <laughs> that they signed Ivan Rab to a oh, no right yeah. contract. Ian, excuse me. Um, so Rab is back. Uh, Ivan Rab, right? Yeah, I was, from, yeah, from yeah I was right. Ivan from Rab. Cal. Um, from, yeah, from Cal. He,
1: yeah, from Cal. Yeah, I mean, he was a, a McDonald's All-American, big-time recruit, probably could have been a lottery pick two years ago, but stayed at right. Cal for another year.
0: So the Grizzlies oh, yeah. took him yeah. in the second round, Ivan, and yeah. now he is going to be in Memphis. And yeah. this is all without mentioning Jamichael Green, whose restricted free agency has gone horribly for him. And most people assume he'll come back to Memphis. Uh, there's rumors of a two-year deal. But, you know, worst case, he signs the qualifying offer and goes in the unrestricted free agency next summer. Uh, they're going to be around 18 players on guaranteed or partially guaranteed deals. They have Kobe Simmons, who's their two way contract that they signed, uh, that'll be playing between the Memphis Hustle and the Grizzlies. Oh, my God. I
2: forgot that that's their new G League team name.
0: Yeah. Great name, by the way. And sweet logos.
2: I kind of, this is spoiling a question we were going to ask later, but I kind of feel like Memphis Hustle is a much cooler name than Memphis Grizzlies.
0: Yeah, I think it fits better. I, <laughs> right. I didn't see many grizzlies when I lived in Memphis, except for the zoo. Um, but, but anyway, it, it, it's you look. First off, you start with that list that you guys rattled off, and you're like, "Well, who in the heck are they going to cut? Or are, are, do they have a trade in mind? Or are they that low on Jarrell Martin, uh, former draft pick? Oh, right, they have him too! From, wow. Yeah, I forgot yeah, I mean, about they have all the guys that Jesus, they're, and they're making roster moves. You have no idea what they're doing. Uh, so it, Jarrell Martin, you would imagine would be one of the first guys off that list, Andrew Harrison and Mario Chalmers, you know, both of those guys, I think they're both partially guaranteed. I know Chalmers, charm Chalmers is, uh, you know, does one of those two not make the roster? Harrison showed some growth towards the end of the year, but he had an overall weak rookie campaign at least when it came to shooting and scoring the ball but Fizdale invested more time in him than any grizzlies coach in a long time had in a rookie so it would be hard to see him kind of getting cut wade baldwin as you guys mentioned was the last year's 17th overall draft pick so it's hard to see him being moved you know there's just so many pieces that you're not quite sure who's going to make the roster and then once you get to that final roster as you guys mentioned Who's the third best player? You would hope it would be Chandler Parsons, but right now I would say it's Tyreek Evans and he hasn't played a minute of basketball for the Memphis Grizzlies. Jeez. Ben McLemore is out, so he What's his injury again? He had a uh, uh he broken foot, I believe. That's right. He Inch had, had the yeah. did he
2: have the Jones fracture or did he have something I, else?
0: I think it was something else. I could be wrong on that, but I know it was a few months, so only a few months I will, out. So he I will he Google should be back in November.
2: <laughs> I will Google you this to right. find out.
0: Um, um because okay, we so do you have our research. Wayne Seldon will probably be the starter going into the year, you would imagine. And, and then, you know, from there, you've got Troy Daniels, who can't play a lick of defense, but is a great three-point shooter. James Ennis is another player on this roster who, who, who can shoot and defend, kind of a 3 and D guy. And he also could be that stretch four, perhaps, that they're tentative. They're not really wanting Chandler Parsons to be because of the iffy knees. You know, there's just so many pieces that – and I, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording – who is going to step up? A lot of these guys have to in order for Memphis to have a shot at being competitive in the West. It just feels like a lot of what-ifs and who-ifs and if they come and if this guy has a career year. And you know, like I said, if Chandler Parsons can be that third-best player on the roster – It's just so much that's kind of up in the air. They're going to have to depend on Tyreek Evans to kind of be a Swiss army knife off the bench and play a little bit of backup point and a lot of backup two and three. They're going to have to depend on Ben McLemore to make a massive jump and, and not to take away anything from the Grizzlies. These are the kinds of signings that they had to make because of the investment in Chandler Parsons. They did not have mass amounts of money that they could go out and spend and they're not going to. So you have to find those kinds of players that are, you know, low risk, high reward in terms of, you know, you have a one-year deal with Tyreek Evans. If Evans is hurt half the year, you only paid him about $3 million or so dollars anyway, and then he's on his way. Uh, same thing with Macklemore. Here's a former lottery pick who, no offense to the Sacramento Kings, uh-huh. not the steadiest organization in the world.
1: If he can come to Memphis well, and... that's very he, nice of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were going to say, no offense, but he shouldn't have been picked in the lottery because there's oh, a lot no. of Kings picks like Stauskas is a lottery pick, too. Well, he probably no, shouldn't that, have been,
2: to be honest. Those can both be yeah. true, by the way. No,
0: that's true. <laughs> You're right. But anyway, he's a good athlete. He yeah. can shoot the basketball. Yeah. Can David Fisdale, who part of the allure of Fisdale when he was hired... Is player development? Can he bring this guy along and make him a good starting shooting guard in the NBA? Could he be a so, waiters
1: type type? Sure,
0: project? absolutely. I think there's potential there, but you're just asking a lot of that guy, and you're asking a lot of guys who have not been put in those situations before. It, it's just hoping a lot goes right for a lot of people, and it's it, it the. I mean, you can tell, I, mean, I have no idea. Yeah, I follow the team and you, you just really obviously Tony Allen and Zach Randolph leave behind a big hole to fill. But at the same time, you know, these guys that they have replaced them with, it looks like they just aren't as good as the 35 year olds that have yeah. moved on from the roster. And that's. Something that makes fans nervous, I think. I think fans are optimistic. They believe in the vision of David Fisdale. I think they like that the team is younger now. Marcus Gasol is now the oldest player on the roster. I think he's 32. He might have just turned 32. Uh, so he's now the oldest player on the team. And that that's a major change from 40-year-old Vince Carter. So It's it, amazing. It it's an investment in youth and it's an investment in athleticism and it's investment in David Fisdale. It kind of comes back to what we talked about at the top. This is Fisdale's team. Now this is, Hey, this is what you said you wanted. Everybody says you're good at doing these things that we need to happen here. It's sink or swim.
2: All right. I'm going to throw a devil's bargain at you. Um, I have to bet something very valuable to myself on who the third leading scorer on this team will be this year. And, you tell me who should I bet on? Who's like who? who should, where should I put my money? Third leading scorer in this team. If I had to bet like my house on who the okay. third leading, yeah. If I had to bet my house on who the third leading scorer on the 2017-18 Memphis Grizzlies, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> who am I? Be, who should I bet on, and
0: why? Who, who? My counter to that would be: Is there any side pot or side <laughs> issue saying that they have to play a certain amount of games?
2: <laughs> yeah let's say they have to qualify for the scoring like the whatever the leaderboard for scoring, yeah I don't remember exactly what it is, but um like yeah, let's say they have to like play enough games to qualify for the points per game leaderboard like
1: they, they couldn't they couldn't have a transcendent like twenty seven games and and not qualify yeah, for and anything. I don't know why Ben would know anything about that, yeah. yeah it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, answer uh, <laughs> the question, and we're going to sell Mike's house. No. There, there, there we go. Um,
0: <laughs> I'll tell you who I'm betting on, and I'm curious if we have the same name. I'm going to answer it in two parts. If the Grizzlies are a playoff team, it's Chandler Parsons, and that will mean that Chandler Parsons was healthy. He's averaging 15 or 16 points a game. He's doing essentially what Memphis needed him to do as a facilitator and a scorer. He's that third piece, and I think if Parsons can be that guy – and shoot about 38% from three, be another threat to score off the dribble. He, he can help Memphis get back to the playoffs for a, another consecutive year. Uh, if it's not a playoff team, I think the third leading scorer is Tyreek Evans. I think mm. he'll come off the bench and score 12 or 13 a game, and I, I think that that's, that will be a disaster because that will mean Parsons didn't play enough or Parsons isn't the guy, and they have two more years of essentially a a crippled Chandler Parsons, and that would be pretty destructive for the franchise. So, And it kind of depends on your take on the Grizzlies, I think. Uh, If you think the Grizzlies can be a playoff team, you'd probably say Chandler Parsons, Mike. If you think the Grizzlies are not a playoff team, I would put my money on Tyreek Evans.
2: All right, well, I'm probably going to lose my house because I'm putting my money on Wayne Selden. I'm throwing Wayne the long Seldon. shot. I'm throwing the long shot out here. I'm wow. drinking the summer league juice. Wayne Selden, third holy. leading scorer. I
0: mean, he's, he's not going s- to be a starter.
2: Is he not? Who's starting at the two right now?
0: He'll start at the two right now, but Macklemore will probably be the starter once the seat once he gets back.
2: I don't know. Foot injuries are very very dangerous, and I think Ben might be wally pipped. I'm just oh, I'm going to throw man. that out there. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I'll tell you right now, there'd be a lot of happy people in Memphis if that was true. That's uh, my now. That's my choice for third leading scorer. Uh, granted, that would mean again Chandler Parsons was not. So that half <laughs> right. <absence> of Seldon <laughs> would be negated by the, the horror of Chandler Parsons. But um, no, Seldon he had a great summer league. He really did, and he showed. You know, we talked about this over at the blog he showed that he's an NBA player. You know, when you watch summer league, one of the main takeaways that you can make is, Oh yeah, that guy is a good NBA mm-hmm. rotation player. And and that's Wayne Selden. So I, I think Wayne Selden can certainly be a guy who comes off the bench and provides a nice spark. He showed some good things in the Spurs series last year too. Oh, Tony he was Allen. good.
2: Like I thought yeah, he, was he was pretty was good, good in the Spurs series. He I'm telling, you, he's going to start most of the games at shooting guard. Ben McMorris like get
1: the new Tony Allen in a lot of ways. Like he's
2: more of a scorer, kind of, right? Like he's yeah, kind of He's a... like, you
1: know, similar size, very aggressive but on the other end of the court, you're right. Selden had a ton of hype when he when he got to Kansas. I mean, this was not a guy Right. Who was supposed to spend multiple years. First off, no one who's a blue chipper is supposed to spend Multiple years at Kansas, but he's probably a little bit further down the road in terms of like his project, uh, how he projects than you know maybe a guy even still like Ben McLemore, who we don't really know what his, what his ceiling could be if he can make some threes which he yeah. did in college right he may he was a shoot was he a
2: shooter in yeah. college yeah, if he can yeah, shoot in college.
1: Yeah, but- it's not a beautiful shot, but he, he's absolutely aggressive as hell going to the basket. I mean he'll he'll dunk on you. Um all, also like wide framed, he's like a big bodied guard, like six five. And Yay. if
0: Chandler Parsons is there, and again, we keep saying if and Chandler Parsons, that might as well just be his first name. If should be Chandler, <laughs> and then Chandler Parsons should be the middle and last name. If Chandler Parsons is healthy and you have Seldon as that starting two to start the season, that's in again, assuming Jermichael Green is back that's four guys who can shoot the three surrounding Wayne Seldon, allowing for him to use his athleticism to get to the rim and do those drives. And, you know, Mark pulling defenders away from the rim, Jamichael pulling defenders away from the rim. So I don't think you're overly far off. I think (laughs) can have a very good year. Uh, I don't think you're overly fall off far off. I I love that very nice statement. You just try to be, uh, it just, it, it would really be a, it would be awesome for Wayne. And I think that that would be a really cool thing to, To see him go from, you know, kind of a a misguided, not fully realized talent and in college, as you guys mentioned, to kind of realizing that potential in the NBA. But on the flip side, like I said, it would also be super depressing because if Wayne Seldon is the third leading scorer, that means something went super wrong for Chandler Parsons. And that's who the Grizzlies (laughs) really need to step up if they have a shot at staying relevant in the West. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm a Wayne Seldon stan. I like. Oh, that's the fine. That's
1: there are worse guys to be stands of.
2: Yeah, I don't know. This would probably be very, <laughs> that, very wrong. <laughs>
1: that also works in terms of like Waiters Island, and you could be on. Selden Island.
2: Well, I'm already. I'm already on. Uh, I'm already on Rodney Hood Cabana. So. Um, yeah. I was just oh, putting a stand on the Yeah, internet. i i i didn't I, I didn't explicitly
0: mention to needle you, Joe. But I, I realized now
1: yeah, that why it should lot. needle
0: you. You definitely uh, didn't need to say Rodney Hood to <laughs> to a, a Grizzlies site manager. You didn't have to say yeah. that. that. That's just mean.
2: The backstory there obviously is that he went one
0: pick after
2: Jordan Adams and oh, Dave Yeager God. would. Slip in and interviews about passive aggressive about how we wanted Rodney Hood instead, and they didn't listen to him. So that's the backstory there for those not knowing. Um, wow, it's a bet you guys didn't think you'd listen to a Grizzlies preview <laughs> that talk a lot about Wayne Selden. So, um, yeah,
0: right? yeah. yeah that's uh, why you come to SB Nation for all of our yeah. great takes and our, our hot thoughts on <laughs> players that you've never heard of before. That's, that's that's oh, the but you will, yeah. you will players you thought were playing for the hustle but play
1: they're <laughs> <laughs> still at kansas right. somehow i thought wayne yeah. Seldon was
0: still at kansas oh he's in yeah, the nba right.
1: good for him he's he's playing there with perry uh, perry ellis the yeah. third so, uh,
2: <laughs> probably is
1: um, uh, all right let's get to uh to flip the page real quick what uh what is your favorite grit and grind moment of all time what, what's, grit and gr- yeah. What's the grit and grind moment for you? You already told us about how much it means, you know, on a personal level. And and that's that is awesome in its own right. But what's the specific moment uh, that's your favorite of the grit and grind era? My favorite moment is I believe it was a game six in 2012
0: when the Grizzlies, uh, they eliminated. or it might have been 2013 when the Grizzlies eliminated the Clippers at home. And it it was essentially a wrestling event uh, that was masqueraded as a basketball game. I mean, Zach Randolph gets ejected at the end. He skips off the court, throws his headband. You have eighteen thousand people yelling "Whoop!" that trick. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was just ridiculous. The the, the fun that we had, uh, the going out on Beale Street that night and enjoying art yourself and. You know, it, it really was kind of the, that apex of that movement. And again, you, you hear people say that and you're like, dude, you're talking about a basketball team. Like, it's not that serious. But if you lived it, if you were there, like it, it does mean that much because you're you're in a place like Memphis that is certainly, you know, I've, I've written about this on the blog. Memphis is not a perfect place. Memphis has a lot of problems. And one of the reasons that the Memphis Grizzlies exist is to try to take care of some of those problems. And no sports team is going to solve everything. But there is, you know, there are, especially through that grit and grind era, moments where, you know, you see the best in a community kind of come out. And, you know, it's, it's a unifying force. And, and that's just one example you could talk about Zach and the work he did, you know, in the community helping pay for school supplies or Thanksgiving meals or paying for people's power bills. The fact that there's a rumor on Twitter when Zach left uh, for Sacramento that someone made a million-dollar donation and everybody thought it was Zach. The fact that that even gained traction is just a testament to how powerful Zach and his legacy will be in Memphis. And Tony is in a similar way uh, with the work that he did and and the, the things that he did in the community. You know, those are just two beloved guys. And like I said at the beginning, you know, I think people understand, you know, Memphis has some smart basketball fans. I think they get that it was time to move on. But now it just means that the pressure is that much more on those that are left behind to try to replicate as best they can, not necessarily what those guys did in terms of the community and the culture, but in terms of success, in terms of wins and losses on the court.
1: Yeah, it's. it's I always like that when you know we talk to you that you bring up the fact that this this team that grit and grind is so much more than just like a between the lines. Movement that it, that it truly was kind of how they expressed themselves in the community, and that it was like a symbiotic relationship that the community and the fan base gave back to these players, and and, and it worked in a nice cyclical way. It was um, also super organic, the how it came about. It was yeah, basically yeah. right
2: after Tony Allen like shut down Kevin Durant in a game, right? I mean, that was basically Absolutely. what it was like. 2011 regular season game, yep. and he's shouting in the post game interview with uh what's the name of the grizzly sign or sideline reporter uh, rob fisher rob fisher that's right yeah so it, it's like super organic in a way that so many sort of things are not these days
0: yeah the, the, it was real and i think yeah. that like you said that that it sounds cheesy there's people listening to this in la or new york and they're like oh god this guy <laughs> but 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 it's true you know and i think organic's a great way to put it and it was uh It it was something that you know those of us that were that came to be fans during that time period. Like I said at the beginning, yeah, it it's the generational fandom. I I think is something that's really going to be that legacy, and that's the ultimate compliment to them. You know, to pass on something that important. You know, I'm a I'm a Washington Redskins fan, not because they're a good football team. I think they're an awful football. (laughs) They're an awful (laughs) football team. I'm a Washington Redskins fan because of my grandfather and my dad. And like I said, you know, my daughter will probably be a Memphis Grizzlies fan because of me. And I think that's the ultimate compliment uh, that you can pay to those guys is that they made me believe in that organization that much.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this a lot with like what the Wizards are doing now and they're sort of locking themselves into this pretty good team. But it's it's really about what you've talked about in in 20 years. You're going to have a generation that grew up and. You know, maybe their team didn't win a championship, but they can feel proud that they had some great times with their teams. And there was something memorable about them that tied them to the area, you know. And that's not something that I mean, for the Wizards, it's been so many years they they explicitly never did that for so many years. That now you're seeing the lack of fan support there, you know, for this team, and it, it's because they've been malnourished. And I think. Memphis will not be malnourished. And that's why my favorite moment of, of the grit and grind era was the first-team all-defense game with Golden State in game two because you know that was a series that they really couldn't win. That was a series that were going to be outgunned, outmatched. Um, but for that one game, those guys dug deep. It was also the game that Mike Conley was playing with the uh, face mask from the broken face His he first suffered. first game back, yep. And he was still really outstanding. Like there was no reason for them to compete or win in that game. And there was really, you know, in retrospect, no reason to think that they could possibly have won that series. I mean, they were so outgunned. But for that one game, they there was something that they dug deep. And as a Memphis fan, I imagine you're gonna remember that one game, even you don't really remember the way the rest of that series went, I don't think. I think you'll remember that one game. I remember Steph Curry hitting a a seventy
0: foot. It felt like Yeah, I guess it's that too. Buzzer (laughs) beater at the end of the third quarter, and I was like, "Come on, dude, really? This this guy's a video game." But no, that game stands out. The even earlier in the run, you know, the very beginning, that first one eight upset of the Spurs, Mm -hmm. Darrell Arthur block, and then alley oop dunk on the opposite end. You know, Gravis Vasquez three pointer. You know, there's a lot of moments that went along with that team and and you bring up the wizards and that's an interesting comparison because I live in the DC area right and I think what they're building towards with that group DC as you know Mike it, it's not in Ben it, it's not really a place that has a ton of I mean it's so transient that especially a, a team like the wizards uh, it's going to be hard for them to gain traction and gain ground but you're starting to see it with John Wall kind of committing to yeah. the city and Beale obviously being committed and now Otto Porter like you said, you invest in a really good team and you hope things break your way, and that's kind of what the Grizzlies did. And they had their shot in the Western Conference Finals and they weren't able to to fully realize the goal of getting to the NBA Finals. But I think the Wizards in these next few years, as the LeBron era ends and whatever comes next, they are poised to potentially take advantage of an opportunity that comes their way as well. And I'm not saying they're copying the Grizzlies because I don't think anybody would do that. But I do <laughs> think that there's similar models in terms of how you build your team you invest in really good players and players that play well together and you hope that things work out for you in the long run
2: i think the larger point is you would not trade the last six years for no. I mean very much i mean like there's this whole discussion ben we always say like the middle is the worst place to be and all this stuff but you wouldn't trade the last six years for uh, you know being Going through the maybe not the process because I I don't want to piss Ben off too much, but like you wouldn't (laughs) trade that for like you know having blown it up sooner to try to rebuild back. And I I think that that's something that in some markets where the fan base had been malnourished, like Memphis, really in Memphis's case, there was just no basketball market, pro basketball market. It was
0: all
1: college. Yeah, and that's the point though, Mike. It's like that this team is the initial pillar in whatever this franchise becomes like th- with the Sixers well it's not you know, though because they had like some teams before them that were just very not very memorable you know this is no, the first memorable pillar yeah but that, that's what I'm the point I'm making though is like this is and I think this is kind of what Joe has alluded to a few times like this is the jump off point with which there is a new fan base now like right people who associate with this Memphis Grizzlies team with this culture with an attitude of winning or being a tough out whatever it may be like That that was the the genesis was like this team the last six years. And like that, that's something to be said when we talk about the middle. And I like that definitely includes you know it's a large the middle for us is a large area i mean uh, there, you could argue that there's
2: basically 26 teams in the middle right now yeah, or however right. many there's golden state on one end and like i guess philly on the other and everybody else uh, is in the middle
1: i'm not sure if philly's on the other end anymore but, <laughs> no i know yeah. but i'm just saying in yeah. terms of strategy yeah yeah sure sure and like the point being though that like though, and that middle is always kind of predicated upon obviously how strong the top is but where your franchise is like it's been incredibly successful for the Wizards the last three years. I mean, there are people now who are straight up fans of the Wizards, and that's a fan base that couldn't sell it in arena, you know, four or five years ago. Um, we and second can't, fiddle. They can't always sell it at arena now. No, but, I know. Yes. And ultimately, too, it's playing second fiddle to a good hockey team in the same arena with an owner who only cares, you know, who cares more about one team than the other, which had, you know. There have been issues, and that's not just the Wizards. That was the Sixers with the Flyers for a long time. That was, you know, uh, the the Pistons and Red Wings uh, at a certain point. Like this isn't always going to be um, one of the things about the nba is that it's really difficult to win the title and only a few teams have ever won the title and generally speaking per decade only a couple teams win a title so it, it really narrows it down so you have to figure out other ways to deem success to deem what a successful culture is what successful fandom is and all those things that derive from things other than titles and i've had to come to that justification for years being a fan of the andy reid eagles teams who are exceptionally good teams they were always one of the four best teams in the NFL for, like, a good decade, but it didn't equal any titles, you know. And so being able to say, though, that that was successful that McNabb was a really good quarterback, that Westbrook was a great running back, and that I have great memories from those teams and my fandom still derives from those happy moments, that's a success.
2: Man, we have gone in an interesting direction in this yeah. discussion. But, no, it, <laughs> gonna... it's like a great – it's a good yeah. – discussion points so i guess let's bring this back around I, I before we finish this up i do want to shout out we got a couple good questions that i think we've addressed on the show um corbin ford watson asked about chandler parsons um Courtney kennedy asked about tyreek evans i think we've hit both of those but i just want to shout those people out Longtime questioners um corbin former grizzly bear boot bear blues writer yes that's right Yep. yeah so i just wanted to shout those out but um i think we've gotten to them uh now so you are are we saying that this is it like no playoffs this year
0: i i and like we talked about before <laughs> it's it's hard to say that because it goes back to what we were just talking about about the culture that was established the culture in memphis is the expectation is making the playoffs that That's another part of the legacy, you know, before you were happy to just be there and, you know, hope to win a game. Now, seven years later, after the grit and grind era has officially come to a close, the expectation is, well, now you need to win a playoff series. Now, once you get there, you need to be competitive in the playoffs and, and show what you can do. And this is going to be the first real test uh, of this post Zach and Tony time. What are you going to do? How are Mark and Mike going to respond? Is Chandler Parsons going to be able to be the third best player on this team that he's paid to be? Can Tyreek Evans and Ben McLemore realize some of their potential and and kind of regain what it was thought they could be? There's a lot of ifs. And if you uh, if you're a rational thinking person, last year you and I, Mike, we had it out a little bit because I thought Memphis was a playoff team and you did not. And well, you won that one. I won yeah. that one, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I, I think sitting here this year, a year removed, if you're going to be un, if you're going to be unbiased, you know, there's a biased part of being a fan blogger, and there's an unbiased part because people do, you know, as you build a reputation. I'm going into my I think fourth or fifth year on the blog, my second year as a site manager. You know, people look for you to give some fair input and, and analysis. I, I think if you're being fair. It makes complete sense for people to say this is the year the Grizzlies drop out. I don't know that I'm going to argue with anybody who says that. Yeah, I think I saw one projection that had them winning only 33 games. I think that's kind of ridiculous. I think you got to give Mike and Mark a little more credit than that. That's assuming that they, you know, essentially don't play half the season. In my opinion, but you know, the over/under number I think is 37 and a half. So if you put them at 37 or 38 wins, that wouldn't surprise me. I think that there's real validity to that but at the same time there is potential and it hinges on Parsons first and foremost, it, it all comes down to, do you believe in Chandler Parsons and, For me, it's difficult to sit here and say, I believe he can play 70 games. I believe he can average 15 points a game and be what the Grizzlies need him to be. Uh, I see them beating the over or getting the over on on that number, maybe 38 or 39 wins. That doesn't get you in the playoffs. Uh, I reserve the right to change my opinion Mm -hmm. as as the the year goes on here, as the preseason approaches. But I'm thinking that 38 or 39 wins is probably a safe bet. And that would probably be really problematic uh, for the Grizzlies in some ways. You know, there is no rebuilding year. I don't think fans are looking at it in that way. I think they're seeing this as Memphis. You have, again, top 10 point guard, top five big. You need these other pieces that you chose to bring in to replace the beloved Tony Allens and Zach Randolph of the world. They need to pay off. And if they don't, I think you're going to see your first real blowback against this organization. And and all through this podcast, we haven't even mentioned that there's ownership questions with the Grizzlies between Robert Perry and Kaplan, and, and there's all sorts of stuff going okay. on on that front. And in like
2: a very Cliff Notes version, of what's going on there?
0: Sure. Uh, I mean, and there was a great article from The Ringer uh, that kind of broke it down as well. I would point people to that. Uh, just look up Memphis Grizzlies ownership on The Ringer, and that would uh, be a good spot. Haley O'Shaughnessy, I think, is the one who wrote it. Um, but it, it's essentially a feud... Between minority owner Kaplan, and I'm reading from the article here now, uh, wants to own a franchise of his own. There is a plan for him to maybe be a part of the Wolves ownership group. And then that was blocked by Para. You know, Para is one of the smallest uh, majority owner holders in the league at less than 30% stake, essentially leading up into the next couple of months, there's going to be an opportunity for the minority owners of the Grizzlies to buy out Robert Para. Oh, and by the way, today there was all sorts of crazy news about Pera's wealth being fake and the business, you know, people calling him out and uh, it, it's really fascinating and you, you watch it all play out and I'm not a businessman. Uh, I'm certainly outside of my realm when it comes down to breaking down that stuff. But at the same time, there There's just so much going on with the the structure of this organization that both on the court and off it's just such a weird time and, and it's really hard to see what is kind of coming up around the curve uh, for these grizzlies
1: i think I think it all came on the heels too, and I just this is the only part I remember about this this uh you know the ownership uh, conversation was that didn't like the minority owners increase their shares as early like last year or right. like they, they bought – so in essence, they took one – put one foot in the pool. Um, right. Now, the now I'm like
2: jogging my, – my memory yep. is jogging a little bit. And a lot of these like new ownership groups are sort of like, like the para where it's like they have like a long consortium of owners and nobody owns – like this is a problem in Sacramento as well. Like Vivek does not own a big part of the team. Um, yeah, I remember all this. Anyway, I'm going to say all that and I think they're still going to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, wow. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna
2: throw that out there. I I uh, I believe in Mark and Mike, and I think like at least like this this is sort of like Fizdale. It comes from the Miami school where they always find a couple of players uh, and really develop them in ways that you don't expect. Um, so I'm it's probably a bad opinion, but I think they're gonna sneak in again. I think they're gonna find a way. All all I needed was
0: one smart person to talk me off the ledge. I'm back, baby. <laughs> there, yeah, they're I just needed one smart person to to validate my my hopes. Yep, they're they're back in. I retract my previous statement. I'm just I
1: saying. So. It, I always root for the city, and and I hope that uh, I hope that Memphis uh, sneaks into the playoffs again this year. It, the competition and and Joe, we've had this conversation with all of the teams that are right in that realm now. Right? We've talked ridiculous. to Denver and Minnesota and the Jazz, and, and you can go down the list. There are like seven teams you could make an argument for for the position six, seven, and eight. Uh, in the West. And so it's it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. And you could certainly sit here and make a strong argument just based on the two best players on each of those teams that Memphis should be in, in fine shape.
2: Well, I mean, but yeah, again. that's the thing. I mean, if you're would you Portland got problems yeah. like yep. as well and Utah doesn't have anyone that can put the ball in the basket. So, yeah. and yeah. Denver now, like with them signing Plumlee to that deal, and like who's gonna play, and you know f- we forget that they lost Gallinari. Like I don't know if they're a sure thing either.
1: And we all know New Orleans has got problems. So sure, and <laughs> let's see the Clippers be be the same team that they've been in the past without Chris Paul. And like let's we could go down the list here. Let's see if Minnesota finally reaches their potential with all these great. Like the, the idea here is that there's a solidified top end of the West, and then a bunch of very interesting teams that you could use that qualifier for joe that we've used a number of times here which is the, the if um, oh so yeah I'm very excited to see how it plays out and then and ultimately if if mike is now the positive one yeah well, the roles are this here it sounds yeah. like
0: it, it's gonna be a, a an interestingly horrifying season of
1: basketball <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's right. your, there's our podcast title right there <laughs> perfect there
1: interestingly horrifying tremendous um great mike did we miss anything here i think we
2: I think we hit pretty much good. everything. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I just I like Mike Conley a lot. He's great. Um, oh, look he's up terrific. His, look up his numbers from last year. I don't think people realize how good he was. No, now
0: he's, he's awesome.
2: That's uh, I'm not sure I would like. Obviously, with you and Kyrie, I think he's better than Kyrie right now. I guess the question is, would you take Kyrie's next four years? Of course, he would. So that's yeah, yeah, it's kind the, of the debate. Yeah, I it's mean that's plugged, sort of the did thing. You just
1: plug the 101 best players of. 2021 mike is that what you just did
2: yeah yeah i don't oh, know okay. if grizzlies fans are gonna be too
0: thrilled with where mike conley ended up on that list i was thrilled i, I think i said that in my response when well, you we, sent it out to me i, oh, I was okay. thrilled with his position that that tells me you still think he's a two or three best player on the roster oh, don't want to give him.
2: away too much he hasn't come up yet <laughs> so you're gonna have to edit it out No, not want to give up too fun. much but if you're thrilled i'm not sure grizzlies fans will be but if no, you are then I there we thrilled. go
1: okay And and I'm not going to spoil anything, but Wayne Selden is not on the list. (laughs) He should have been on some of my snubs. I should have picked him.
0: (laughs) You you can write a post about your snubs, and he can be
2: number 102. I already did, unfortunately, but um, he's not on on, the snubs list. He's a snub of the snubs.
1: Um, Great, Mike. What's the next uh, team preview we have?
2: Oklahoma City, Uh, another very interesting team. And then I don't know there's some team that uh is in the district or something that you know I guess we have to talk about we have to just kind of get
1: it out of the way. So that's the Fun Podcast each year where I'm the singular host and Mike is now the fan/analyst. Oh, so it's, it's a special annual episode. The Wizards that's good. And
0: yeah. I I'm sure it is full of uh full of very interesting takes on yeah. the Washington Wizards and uh and their potential with uh gortat playing center and uh, i mean i I don't know i i think their their top two were kind of like we talked about with mark and mike i mean bradley beal and john wall you can't get much better than that but what comes after them you know Otto porter is essentially a better version of chandler parsons at this point how much you get out of porter will determine how far the wizards go
2: a much better version of chandler parsons (laughs) but that's all right with that i'm I'm
1: just saying uh this is not the wizards podcast though That'll come soon. That'll come soon. But uh, again, this was, it's always, it's always fun to have you on, Joe. This is, this is Joe Mullinex from the Grizzly Bear Blues, the SB Nation, uh, Memphis Grizzlies community. Joe, thanks for making the time and joining us, buddy.
0: Gentlemen, it's a pleasure. Good luck to everybody this season. And and like I said, this is going to be horrifying to watch, but hopefully we'll all get through it and uh, have some good basketball.
1: That's, that's what we like to call that's a, that's a microcosm of the Limited Upside podcast. That's all we ask from our listeners. Uh, it can be horrifying at times, but ultimately we get through this together through the love of basketball. Until next time, everybody, this is the Limited Upside Podcast.